Welcome to this episode of Reddit Guy. The subreddit we will listen to today is called r slash military stories. Our first post of this episode comes from Kaitalu and it titled So, you want me to wash the truck in zero degree weather? Dot. Just like any other army story, this one starts out the same. Dot. No shit, there I was. Dot. A youngish SPC, assigned to my first unit in South Korea, stationed at Camp Humphreys. Early on, I managed to get licensed on every piece of rolling stock that we had, so naturally I was tasked out to drive. Dot. A lot. One fine day, after the completion of an EXEVAL, I was tasked, along with another driver, to return our miles gear to the depot, I think it was Camp Casey, but I may be mistaken. So, myself, my TC, the other driver, his TC, and the OIC of our little detail set off in two LMTVs that were packed full of miles gear cases. It was pretty chill. We drove a couple hours north, dropped off the gear, had a leisurely lunch at the Katusa snack bar, then drove back. We arrived back at the hump around 15.30, parked the trucks in the motor pool, and the OIC told us to just go hang out in our rooms until 1700, Cobb. Cool beans, I had Halo to occupy my time. The next day, I go to work, and my PSG asks about the truck. I told him that it was parked, chocked, drip pan in place, air tanks drained, etc., etc., and dispatch was turned in. He then asked if I had washed it. Now, it was January in South Korea. If you have never been to South Korea, it get fucking cold in the wintertime there. Usually, we didn't see a lot of snow, but we would get ice everywhere, side note. Dot. While on night shift, I did not count the night as complete unless I had slipped and fallen at least twice while walking back to the barracks. So, the conversation went as follows. PSG, did you wash the truck? Me, no, sergeant. Dot. It's like 19F degrees outside. PSG, you need to go wash the truck. Me, sergeant, you do realize that it is below freezing outside, right now, correct? Water freezes at 32F degrees. Washing the truck would be pointless. Dot. PSG, I don't recall this being a two-way conversation. Go wash the fucking truck, specialist. And take one of your buddies to help. Me. Roger that, sergeant. Cue malicious compliance. So, my buddy and I walk over to the motor pool. I start the truck and drive it up next to the bay, and walk inside to find my SPC buddy. Dot. You know, they one that you cultivate in eco so that your trucks actually get fixed. Hey, man, I need to borrow your little pressure washer. Dot. I have to wash my truck. We had some back and forth about the outside temp, after which I secured the pressure washer, which was akin to one of the small ones you get from Lowe's and use around your house. After hooking it up, I proceed to spray the LMTV, while my buddy grabs a scrub brush and starts scrubbing the canvas. After about a minute, he yells out to me that the water is freezing on the canvas, and brushing it is doing no good. I shouted back that I was aware, and to move back from the truck. I then proceeded to hose down the entire truck. Dot. Like Ice Cube said. Dot. Front, back, and side to side. By the time I was done, the truck looked like a giant ice sculpture. The only thing that I had left clear was the driver's windshield and window. We then backed the truck off the giant slab of ice that had formed under it, you ever slide sideways in an LMTV. It's pretty fun. And parked it back on the line, locked, chocked, and drip panned. Went back to the shop, tossed the keys on the PSG's desk, and gave him a hearty mission complete. The following Monday was motor pool formation day. After we formed up, the CSM had his say, and we were fooled out to conduct motor stables, I hear from across the crowd. Dot. God damn it. Dot. 
S-P-C-K-I-T-U-L-U, what the fuck happened to my truck? Me, well, sergeant. Dot. You told me to wash it last Friday, so. I-I-R-C, the ice did not completely go away until the spring. The next post from Watch the Boom is titled This Recruit Will Find Out. Dot. In basic training environments, recruits are given a standard set of responses that they're supposed to stick to. They vary from service to service, but generally, each of their responses should be, yes, no, I'll do that right away. I'll find out right away part of the game that's played during basic training is getting into the habit of answering questions using your standard responses. With that last one, part of the point is to try and remove, I don't know, from a recruit's vocabulary and replace it with, I'll find out. Unrelated to that entirely, people in the military wear hats outside. Your hat gets tucked into your pocket or stuffed into your pants, boot when you're inside, and as soon as you're outside, boom. Hat goes on. You always have your hat with you, just in case you go outside, because one of the first things you learn in the military is that people in the military wear hats outside. This concept is central to military identity, as silly as it may seem. So there was a situation where a recruit was holding a door open for his company mates to pass through. He was standing outside, holding the door open, but he wasn't wearing his hat. We were on a pretty tight schedule, he was a good kid, and I wasn't trying to make a scene I walked over to him and in a hushed voice asked, recruit, are you inside or outside? My intent was to prompt him to put his hat on. That was all. I was just trying to help a brother out. He turned to face me and, at the top of his lungs shouted, this recruit will find out, sir. I couldn't help myself. Oh, you're going to find out. You're going to find out. You're going to find out if you're inside or outside. You know what? Take five seconds. Look around. Go ahead. Gather as many facts as you can. Go 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 go. Zero five. Zero four. Zero three. Zero two. Zero one. You're done. Recruit have you reached a determination as to the description of your surroundings? Yes sir. Well, speak freely. This recruit has assessed the situation and is overwhelmingly confident that he is outside. I then pulled his hat out of his pocket and placed it on top of his head. His eyes lit up with a, oh, look. He got it. I was trying to help him out, not yell at him. After he graduated, I linked up with him to tell him that situation was probably my absolute favorite thing that's ever happened in any of the classes that had come through. The next post from Jeha is titled Let's Screw with the East German Border Guards. Dot. I thought this would go in our petty revenge but maybe it fits here better. I was stationed in Germany and our mission was to help secure the east-west German border via two outposts. There were more than a few of these along the length of the east-west border and our troops would man these outposts and have people stationed at these border points for two to three weeks and then back to our main base while another troop took over. We had a stretch of the border to monitor and on the other side there were east German towers with a few guys in each tower watching us watch them. This was my tour during the Cold War. All kidding aside it was a big deal. It was determined that if the Soviets were going to start a ground war in Europe this is where they would do it. Our job was to let everyone else know and do our best to hold them back. One of our lieutenants decided he wanted to have some fun and fuck with the East Germans a little. There was only so much you could do out there, so you found your fun when you could. So one bright sunny spring day I drove my lieutenant out to a hilltop in sight of an East German tower about one quarter mile away. I stopped and he pulled out a lunchbox he bought at the PX, covered with aluminum foil and had a few coat hangers twisted around it to look like a funky device. We pulled up, he hopped out of the jeep and he set it on top of the hood, in plain view of the tower, 
opened the lid and pretended to fiddle around with the insides of the box. He looked around a bit and then jumped back in the jeep and we sped off very quickly. That was Monday. On Tuesday we did the exact same thing at the same time and sped off. On Wednesday, we were back and doing the same thing, only this time when I looked at the tower instead of just two guys with guns and binoculars there were four staring back at us trying to figure out what we were doing. After about a minute he jumped back in the jeep and we took off. On Thursday, same thing but there were more people down there staring back. But we kept the same routine, only staying a minute before leaving. On Friday we showed back up at the same time and now there were about a dozen people in the tower with a couple vehicles parked at the base. Everyone had binoculars staring us down. This time though we both got out and when opened up the box he pulled out a couple of sandwiches and cokes and had lunch. You could hear the yelling one quarter mile away. TLDR. We made a lunchbox look like a spy radio to screw around with the East Germans and after a few days we had lunch. The next post from LSCRX is titled My company commander tried to get me to punch him, instead my wife did it for me. While stationed overseas for a few years, my wife and I had a baby. Dot. He's in for an interesting life of explaining his city, state of birth on forms. We already had a toddler, I got 10 days of paternity leave which was nice, and I didn't expect that I'd be going anywhere anytime soon so I was around, outside of business hours, to help my wife. Since she'd had a C-section, she wasn't allowed to lift anything heavier than our newborn, i.e. our toddler, or drive a car. Now my unit was planning to send a couple of teams to a nearby country for a training mission. Each team consisted of one NCO, sergeant, and four lower enlisted, private up to specialist, so two teams is only two NCOs and eight lower enlisted. Dot. We had eight sergeants in my section, including myself, that could run a team. I had asked my supervisor if I was on the rear D, rear detachment, I, E, soldiers not going on a mission, and he said I definitely was. Great, makes sense since I just had a baby and my wife can't leave the house without assistance. Fast forward to a few days before the 30-day training mission, and I see my name listed on a manifest. Dot. WTF. So I ask my supervisor, who asks our first sergeant, 1SG, and he confirms that all the NCOs in my section are going, 8. Dot. For two teams worth of equipment. Dot. When only two are needed. Skeptical smiley face. So I appeal this decision earnestly, asking that they assign me to the rear D and take me off the manifest. Dot. This is a huge hardship for my family. Eventually my 1SG and commander, captain, call me into my commander's office to talk with me, I honestly thought that they just didn't understand the situation they were putting me in. Dot. And that if I just explained it to them they'd see how silly it would be to make me go. Oh sweet, naive LSCRX. They took turns trying to humiliate me, my commander told me how his wife was driving just a few days after her C-section and that he didn't see why my wife couldn't. I explained that she was just following doctor's orders, and that our car insurance wouldn't cover her to drive so soon after surgery. It was around then that my 1SG took a call and left the room. I was younger, stronger, bigger than my commander. Dot. I have zero doubt that I could have destroyed him in a one-on-one -on -one fight. But that didn't stop him, once 1SG left the room, from starting to take shots at my wife. Calling her lazy, entitled, stupid, etc. Dot. You know how when you get really mad, you start seeing red. I was that mad. I was honestly getting ready to snatch him up and throw him out the window, second story, before I caught on to what he was trying to do. If I did anything he'd have a huge advantage, the army will not excuse an NCO assaulting an officer just because he insulted him, or his wife.
and I wouldn't have had any witnesses. He was trying to, I believe, get me mad enough to do something physical to him, and it would be my word against his. I calmed myself, and calmly said to him, Sir, it sounds like you are calling my wife lazy and stupid, am I understanding you correctly? He quickly backtracked and claimed that he was just speaking about dependent spouses, in general. Then the 1SG came back in and they both agreed that it was just too difficult to change the manifest at this point and that I would just have to suck it up. So I didn't punch him, but I wanted to. Turns out a friend of a friend knew someone a few levels up, who filled him in on my situation. I had resigned myself to having to go, and had purchased a second refrigerator so that we could stock up on food before I left. The day we were set to leave my 1SG grabbed me and said I was on rear D and to get my bag off the pallet. Less than less than fast forward a few months, we're having a mandatory fun day, greater than greater than there is a raffle for throwing a pie in the face of your leadership. Dot. Dot. My commander is one of the volunteers. He generated a huge pile of cash, since so many people hated the guy. Sadly none of my, many, tickets were called when it was his turn. But my supervisor did. He had the winning ticket. He turned to my wife and I and handed it over, thanks dude. My wife walked up, whipped cream pie in her hand, and just launched that thing into his face. Dot. Her hand never left the pan. I heard him whining to the orderly room clerk that he thought his nose might be broken laughing face, it wasn't, he was just a wimp. The next post from Tar Funky President is titled Don't Fuck with Sergeant Jesse. It was suggested that I cross post this from our pro revenge so here goes. This is a story about my father's deceased friend, Jesse. Jesse died before Reddit, but he told me this story and I thought I'd share it. Sergeant Jesse was a black man, about 5'2 but with really a wiry build. Total dynamo of a guy. Sergeant Jesse came back from Vietnam in E7, and was placed in command of a group of white soldiers, who were led by a bunch of E6 good ol' boys, who couldn't handle having a black man give them orders. Jesse didn't care, he just did his job. One day, Sergeant Jesse bought his wife a new Cadillac with white wall tires, and he drove it on base his first day to get his Dodd window sticker. The car was parked in their company's parking lot where all the NCOs parked, and much is to his surprise when he returned, all four tires were slashed. The E6s were all curious and asked, what are you gonna do? It could have been anybody. Dot. Are we going to question the whole company about your wife's tires? By the way, how are you getting home? Snicker, chuckle. The only thing they didn't say was, boy, but it was understood that they thought he was going to have to either raise a huge ruckus and become a distraction to command right as he just got there, thus diminishing his reputation, or just eat this and keep on going. Jesse didn't play that shit. He just said, I'm not going to look for who did this. He is going to come to M.E. As first sergeant, Sergeant Jesse could authorize field training exercises and PT at his discretion. He called the company to order and told them they were going on field training exercises immediately. They were ordered to grab only their GI-issued gear and to be prepared to overnight for several days. Then he walked them out into the woods for about 10 miles and told them to set up their tents, after they constructed the more permanent tent with the wooden floor and the portable stove for him. He posted a guard at his door, lit a fire in the stove and went to sleep. Did I mention it was December? and that everyone else was sleeping on the ground in pup tents with no heat. So the exercises began. Jesse ran him like rented mules for two days through those woods. Long morning and evening runs. Push-ups, pull-ups, lunges, digging latrine trenches in frozen ground. Dot. You know, team building, camaraderie inspiring torturous bullshit.
After two days one of the E6s showed up with two black eyes, looking like 10 pounds of shit in a 5 pound bag, as Jesse would say. Apparently overnight the company pulled a code red on his ass and beat on him until he agreed to confess, because they were damned tired of living in the woods in winter. Jesse docked the man's pay and made him replace the tires, but didn't file charges against him because he thought he had paid dearly enough, and more importantly, Jesse had made his point for everybody on base to see, don't fuck with Sergeant Jesse. The next post from Otherwise Window is titled The Time the Cook Read the Riot Act to Command Staff. Disclaimer. This is my dad's story. Many years ago now, my father did his time in compulsory military service for the Army of the Republic of South Africa. In that time there was one man whose memory still to this day brings a fond tear to dad's eye. We'll call this man Cookie, because apparently everyone did. From the lowliest private to the highest ranking officers dad ever saw pass through the mess. Cookie was a cook worthy of legend. It's entirely possible the man would have set the kitchen on fire if asked to cook for under 50 people, but the man could turn out just right sunny side up fried eggs for 200 men such that every man's egg was perfect, hot and fresh. Outside the doors of Cookie's kitchen were some trestle tables, on which there would be stacks of glasses next to the cold vat of fresh milk, all there, Cookie would insist, because he didn't have room for them inside, and usually a big tray or two of roast potatoes, which he'd set out there to cool. It was a shocking outrage to Cookie that the young men on base considered it at all acceptable to steal his potatoes and drink his milk. Occasionally he'd come out of the kitchens to voice his outrage, waving a ladle very menacingly, but somehow there was always more milk and the potatoes would be replaced if they ran low. Cookie's mission in life was to see to it that the young men on base didn't go hungry, and he took it seriously. Dad was once present when an officer stopped by the mess and asked one of the lads going through basic whether he had any complaints about the food. Sir, no sir, it's excellent, sir. You're sure, nothing at all, well, the soldier observed that each of the long tables in the mess hall, seating 20-odd soldiers at a time, had one set of condiments. Peanut butter, marmite, jam, that kind of thing. And it could be a bit time-consuming passing them around, and all. I see, the officer said. Cookie. He bellowed. Got a complaint about your food. Cookie emerged from the kitchens at a run, looking wounded. What? The officer pointed out the issue with the condiments. Come the next morning, there was a full set of condiments at every single place setting on the table. Cookie cared, which made for something of a problem the time the fridge and freezer units on base broke down. Cookie cooked up as much food as he can before it all went off. The lads feasted. The refrigeration didn't get fixed. Cookie did his best with what he had, cutting away spoilage and throwing away what was beyond salvaging, and spicing up what was left. Nothing got fixed but fresh steak was getting delivered for the office's mess. The enlisted men were watching the deliveries with what might politely be termed displeasure. Cookie, it seemed, couldn't take having to cut away the green bits to look for scraps of usable meat for his soldiers while the offices were dining well. The office's steaks weren't enough meat for the enlisted, really, but it was better than nothing, and Cookie padded it all out with what edible vegetables he had and served the boys the best dinner he could scrounge together. Meanwhile, the offices got the shit he had left. It wasn't good enough for dog food, but hey. Dot. They'd thought it was good enough for Cookie's boys. The officers were not well pleased. The base commander came into the enlisted mess, a few other officers behind him, and saw the enlisted were eating the real food, and he was a little put out. He thought he was furious, but if I said that he was furious then I wouldn't have a good word left for Cookie. Cookie was furious. In the middle of the enlisted mess, in front of God and the privates, Cookie tore strips off the base commander. He questioned his fitness for command, his mental health, 
and exactly what sort of favors the commander had offered to whom to attain his present rank. He finished with a threat to accept Commandant General Sir and so standing invitation to become his personal cook and to tell the Commandant General exactly why he'd left the job he'd loved and clung to for so many years. The freezers and refrigerators were fixed within 24 hours. Cookie baked pies for the soldiers that week. They had ice cream. Today's last post from LSCRX is titled OC. My drill sergeant was going to smoke me if I didn't run a 13-something two-mile. I had a long eight, advanced individual training, and we took an APFT, Army Physical Fitness Test, every month or so. And I consistently ran the two-mile in a little over 14 minutes. At my age, a low 14 was a good score, but there was room for improvement. Before an APFT my DS, drill sergeant, would pull everyone's PT card and could see your last few test results. Dot. Mine were all just over 14 minutes. He didn't like that. He called me out, and said that if I didn't run a 13-something that he was going to smoke the shit out of me. NP, I figured I'd step it up a bit and knock out a high 13. How hard could that be? Skeptical smiley face. It was a big group of soldiers, and my DS wasn't my scorer. Dot. When I came across the finish line at 14.06 my heart sank. I thought, shit, maybe I can slip away and avoid him for a while, and he won't remember the threat. No dice. While I was slinking away I hear, DS, LSCRX. Get over here, me. Who are DS moving DS, run over to him DS, what did you run? Looking at me expectantly me, ah, uh, 13 to 66 DS, DS, out F-U-C-K-I-N-G-S-T-A-N-D-I-N-G. That's what I'm fucking talking about. That's fucking motivation goddammit. Good F-U-C-K-I-N-G-J-O-B. Skeptical smiley face. And I slipped away, cringing, expecting him to realize that what I just said was BS at any moment. But it didn't happen. Dot. Right then. A day later I was walking by the DS office and my DS called me in. He was going through the PT cards. Dot. Ruro DS, LSCRX, I thought you said you ran a 13. Me. I said I ran a 13 to 66 DS, DS. Turning red while glaring at PT card on his desk, get out of here. Me. Who a DS runs away it was never spoken of again.